Hello, everyone out there in Twitter. This is another episode of Fighting the Void. And forgive the late start. We had some technical difficulties we were trying to resolve. We'll see if they are resolved or not. But you never know. This is modern technology, and she is a fickle mistress. So today, I have got uh, real Jacob Airy back on back on the show. And normally, we talk about fun stuff, like comics and movies and things like that. Uh, but today... Well, today is not that day, I'm afraid. Today, we're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, more what it's like living under Newsom Leaney uh, over in California, California Stan, whichever your preferred derogatory term is. And uh, also, are you are you still in L.A. County? I am. I am still in L.A. County. So you're under Garcetti as well. Fantabulous. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's it's, it's really... Point. It's really the worst. <laughs> yeah. If you could somehow just get like yeah. de, Bla get de Blasio thrown in there too, it'd be perfect. Uh, well, we have the Bernie back DA, so close enough. <laughs> oh, oh, that's there. That's not good at all. <laughs> so, um, so I guess the first thing is how, and, and again, it's it's been a while since you've been on. So almost actually, probably since shortly after this all started, actually. Yeah, I think so. So I guess the first question to ask is, how has this actually affected your general daily daily life? What What is daily life like now compared to, say, this time last year? Well, it's um, the, probably the biggest change is the general feeling that you're confined. So it, uh, the first two weeks, you didn't really feel that way. You were kind of like, oh, it's a little annoying. But, you know, if I just, you know, I just got to get out to get groceries, stay indoors. Mm -hmm. And as for, and most people were okay with that. And I didn't even see people walking their dogs during oh, the wow. first two weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah. But now, now that's just in my, my little corner of L.A. County. I'm not that probably elsewhere there were people doing that well, honestly that where, fit I, where more I am or less, that fits more or less here in michigan as well like the first couple of oh, weeks um traffic was like at a virtual standstill mm -hmm. and like i was like oh yeah wow lots you know i had to go to work and do what i do because i work at a power plant guess what you can netflix and chill because of me anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was kind of how it went. But then yeah. like as the, the, the weeks turned into months and now we're almost to a year, you mm. can definitely feel like there's a lot of, a, a lot of tension. Now yeah. it's different than LA than in, uh, and my, I have family in Texas. I actually did go see them recently. Nice. And one of the things is people are actually they're in from Texas. I, I knew this was going to happen. They're out They're They're outright tired of it. They're like, we are right. sick of, of this. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a, Nearby where my parents live, there was a, uh, his name is Judge McDaniels. He's like the county, the county judge in that area. And he just took over his county with the COVID. And I don't know how he got the power to do that, but that's what he did. And people were starting to call him Judge McDictator as far back as September because of how he was running the county. And with LA, it was kind of more, things have more come to a head recently. So especially around Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. uh, and you saw it big time in Halloween as well. People like outright rebelled and went trick or treating. That was kind of an anomaly because the kids, they had all, you know, they dress up 
But then when right. Thanksgiving started to come around, you definitely get the sense that everyone is just tired of the confinement. You feel like you're under house arrest and, uh, and I know, I know we like to say that, that facts don't care about your feelings. You know, that's a very popular idiom right. with conservatives, especially, but um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because right now feelings are the facts and the, and the fact is people are feeling right. confined. It's made people who are very pro mass. So I'm not talking about just everyday people who are just obeying the rules, but like if you walk into a store and you have your mask in your pocket, there is bound to be someone who's going to freak out at you for no reason other like, you know, and I went to a store once I forgot to put on a mask and the sales associate was very polite and said, sir, please, we have a mask policy. Please put on your mask. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's right here in my pocket. I'll put it right on. But my wife had an experience where a store is also requiring people to wear gloves. Mm -hmm. It was a store we had, so we didn't have a choice. So as I'm getting the gloves for my wife, this random stranger comes up to her, is an incredibly rude. And anyone who knows that's a line you don't cross. You don't talk to my wife any mm -hmm. which way. And I basically told her to get lost. And uh, she left the store, actually. So I cost the store a sale. But I was like, hey, don't talk to her like that. Leave us alone. I got her gloves. Go away. And uh, that that is kind of just the sense of there's this uh, there's this tension building between people who are just trying to mm -hmm. go back to normal, but then they keep uh, uh, Kira Davis, a writer for red state. She calls them mask holes. Uh, so you have the mask holes and then you have the media and then you have the politicians right in the middle. And those right. three people are amplifying everything that's negative about this experience. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, we've got some of the mask holes in Michigan. I don't think I doubt to the same extent that you've got them. You know, like I can still, I can still walk around in a lot of stores and no one without a mask at all. And nobody says anything. However, I am just about the only one that the only one I ever see doing that at this point. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, no, we've, we've got, we've got like nine, well above 90% compliance in most places. You know, um, mm -hmm. the only play, the only places where there is where it's flipped, where it's like oh, at best 10% compliance is actually the gun stores. <laughs> Go I, I can see that. <laughs> Go figure. I, I, almost any gun, almost, especially the, uh, just the local gun stores, they don't care for them. Oh, I, I can think of one <laughs> exception to that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's honestly the same in Texas. I mean, I went to, I walked into a, a liquor store to pick me up some Rebel Yell. This is not a sponsor. One of my sponsors. I'm just throwing that out there. And uh, and uh, no one in the liquor. I was the only one wearing a mask in the liquor store. And there wasn't that many customers, by the way. It wasn't like mm -hmm. we were all packed in there trying to get our whiskey. It was, you know, like there, I think there was like maybe besides me, there was like three other people and the and the manager. None of them. The manager was wearing a mask. None of the customers were but the manager wasn't coming down on them and saying, Hey, if you're going to buy your booze here, you have to wear a mask. She right. was polite with them and took their orders and they left with, with no problems. And yep. it was kind of funny because when I walked up and of course I had to show my ID, she was like, Oh, you're from California. Like, Oh, that's why you're wearing a mask. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could, so yeah, you definitely have that, have that feeling. And I know for her, you know, obviously there's a, there's a County issue with mm -hmm. there as far as, you know, following guidelines and whatnot. So I don't blame her at all. Right. Uh, 
for wearing a mask. I mean, do what you need to do to maintain your liquor license or your restaurant license. Uh, right. Uh, it, or rebel. I don't care. I, either way. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I'm all, I, I, I get you on both counts. The restaurant. Yeah. Right. Right. Private businesses do what you, in my opinion, do what you think is best for your establishment, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'll be honest, if they're bucking the trend, I'm more likely to go. <laughs> same here same here <laughs> i'm actually i i'm actually thinking about trying to reach out and see if i can uh find out where any speakeasies are in the in, in my area because i know they're out there i don't know where they are but i know they're there and you know oh, they're popping up all over la and you know frequent them as often as i possibly can i mean there's a there's a handful of places that are just openly defying but yes I've, yeah I've heard that there are, uh, I, I've heard that there's such a thing as, you know, you just kind of come to the back door, give the password, and then you go for a nice, uh, relatively normal dining experience. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing that pop up there. Good. What, one thing that's interesting about COVID is it's brought back the food truck. We see food trucks everywhere now, and I actually am okay with this. I love, by, uh, they're small businesses, I love supporting them. So I, you know, good for, good for them. We were, in fact, uh, whenever, but prior you would see like one, uh, one here and there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I'm, I go to comic book conventions. People know this about me. I would see, that's where I would see the most food trucks was at comic book conventions. Oh, but, um, yeah, yeah. My, my wife and I, we drove down the street. We were, I can't remember where we're going, pro uh, probably to get something non-essential, but lines of food trucks and people going to the food trucks. It wasn't just like they were just there. People were in line to get it. So uh, good for them. And I, you know, I hope if that helps, if, if that is a silver lining in this cloud, you know, good for them. Yeah. And that is cool. I personally, I love, I love food trucks as well. They're just cool. And see, you say talking about the lines of food trucks, it actually reminds me of going to the March for life in DC there are some of the streets there. They, they're just lined with food trucks around, around meal times. And it's like, and it's not like the restaurants aren't also packed on a normal year, but right. you know, as many people as are in DC, tourists and everything, I'm pretty sure those food trucks get used a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I went to New York uh, a couple of years ago, maybe mm -hmm. a year and a half ago, and it was uh, food trucks are there too. Anywhere that you saw conference food trucks. Mm -hmm. So uh, I imagine, and, but like I said, in LA, you really only saw them downtown. Occasionally they pop up in the Valley, but uh, you know, more where there's like a bunch of businesses, but now they're starting to pop up more and more uh, just in a, you know, like a general neighborhood where there's like grocery, like a grocery store and a, mm -hmm. and a pharmacy and whatnot. So I, I think that's really good. It gives people uh, access to uh, being able to go out if they, you know, especially if they're, uh, if their regular dining place is, un is unavailable because they can't meet the, the restrictions. Right. And, and like you said, too, it's a chance for somebody to take advantage of the situation and hopefully start a new and successful small business that they can use to support themselves when maybe they can't go to their normal job. Mm -hmm. and I, yeah, exactly. That would be great. And I kind of said it to like when this first started, it was like, you know, this is going to open up some opportunities in some in some way or another for somebody with a little bit of capital and a little bit of a uh, little bit of imagination it's like i don't know what opportunities but 
they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know some people were joking. Maybe this would be a good time to restart Blockbuster, Blockbuster movie rental. It's like, the, you know, <laughs> since theaters are closed, this would be a good time. A speakeasy where you rent movies. That would, that would be, or buy them for a buck. That would be hilarious. <laughs> buy them for, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. The speak, the, like a speakeasy movie theater, just a couple of, just some, <laughs> ju- just somebody with his, with a super giant, ridiculous TV. <laughs> And, so yeah, he's got a pickup truck with like a tent around it. Like we're gonna we're gonna show we're gonna show tenant right now. Come, come right now. This is not a half bad idea, actually. I wonder if anyone's <laughs> done this. It would not surprise me. <laughs> okay. uh, if anyone out there sees it and gets the idea and does it, you owe Jake a I, I don't know a quarter every time you do it. <laughs> a, qu- a quarter for every ticket sale. That's hilarious. Yeah, definitely. Quiet, Margo, <laughs> with your Amazon Prime and Netflix. This is more fun. Jeez. <laughs> Besides, who doesn't want to watch a movie out of the back of a pickup truck covered by a tent? <laughs> it's like the drive-in, but smaller. Which, oh, you know, one of the one of the blessings of this during when I was working those crazy hours I was talking about right before uh, we started. Um, local drive-in was showing the Empire Strikes Back. Oh wow! Yeah, that was quite an experience. Wow. Oh, I, I took the because uh, the Empire is actually the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. Like, actually, remember seeing it on the screen, and I load. I was like, "All right, it's showing on my night off, kids." Loading up in the van, and we're going to see Empire Strikes Back on the ridiculously big screen. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it was. I, I, I would. That that was. I was hoping that that would happen here, but they closed them down again. They reopened them only to close them just later. It was. Uh, I really was really kicking myself for not going to see something during that brief. I think it was like a week where they just they were letting them open at fifty percent. Week they closed them down again. Condition purple, whatever purple is. I think Crazy. we had, I think we had the same thing. Yeah, we did. We had the same thing here in Michigan where they were open briefly and then they were shut down again, like right away. It's like the regular theaters. And it's just like, how are any of these places going to stay open? It's like, they, yeah, you know, they, they must've, you know, Netflix and Amazon must've called our respective governors and said, Hey, you really got to shut down those theaters so we can go ahead and buy them up when they go out of business. Well, don't forget that the Obamas, I believe, uh, are working with Netflix. So they definitely have a stake in in making sure Netflix goes. I believe even, uh, yeah. what's her name, Susan Susan Rice. Susan I believe she's actually on the board of Netflix. I so, think she might have just left, know. maybe. But well, yeah, she, I, I, I know she, she has been there. Position. I think yeah. she has offered a position in the Biden administration. I don't know what it was, but I believe you're, I I believe you're she right. Was, she did just leave because of that. I know she was up for some position and I think they were looking at her maybe for secretary of state or something, something that I don't want her anywhere near, which is, I, I, she's yeah, the one that's a long who I don't list, see I getting think. past. Yeah. Yeah. I, most of them, I think they will so far of what I've heard of, of Biden's picks. I think they will get past Senate. I do not see how season Susan Rice gets past Senate, but you know, if this, if, if Republicans are, are stupid in Georgia, going back to the, politics thing 
you know, where, you know, you have these, uh, these folks in Georgia boycott the vote. No, that's awful. Cause you give the Senate to the Dems and then of course, then you're going to get, uh, Susan Rice's secretary of state. Is that really what you want? You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. Of course they also got, um, of course in, in Georgia, they also have made no changes to their voting system and everything. And just right away said, yeah, we're going to do everything exactly the same way that, that, that caused all of this, uh, confusion and discontent, you know, in November. So, you know, it's kind of like Republicans. Do you, do you want to win? I, I'm not sure you do. <laughs> yeah. And as far as, you know, blocking any of Biden's picks, Susan Rice, somebody that that responsible for that much hate and discontent, you're probably right. They probably they probably man up and block her. Just about anyone. Well, she else. went on all the Sun. Right, she's the one who went on all the Sunday shows and and lied about the Benghazi incidents. And mm-hmm. so I just don't see. Well, she was uh, also her I, getting passed. I think she was also involved in the unmasking of Michael Flynn. Yes, that that is true. That is that as well. And uh, you know, General General Flynn, I rumor. So please take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But one of the rumors that is coming out right now is President Trump regretted forcing Flynn to resign. He uh, he said he did it because Pence was mad at him. I guess Flynn told uh, the Vice President a white lie, which is not good. He shouldn't have done that. And so Pence and Trump listen to his vice president, but mm-hmm. I've actually heard through the grapevine. And like I said, this is just strictly rumor. So it could totally be untrue, but, uh, but president Trump regrets that he, he thinks that now he should have stuck by Flynn and given him the full weight of the white house for yep. his defense. And, uh, boy, that imagine how that would have turned out differently for Flynn. Cause I, for one, don't believe Flynn, uh, should have been prosecuted at all. I hope that judge Sullivan, uh, yeah. get some sort of, uh, I don't know if, I, I don't know how that works. Cause I'm not, obviously I'm not a judge or a lawyer, but I hope he gets some sort of judicial backlash, uh, for, uh, putting Flynn through that. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it was just insane. It, uh, honestly, if he had had his, had a backbone and had Flynn's back, this, it would have been a very different four years. Yeah, and and that's it would have just set a completely even, different tone, right? And and for one thing, I used to be a never Trumper, but right. he convinced me through his actions. I mean, I think uh, I was very public about being never Trump, but I switched because of his actions. I was like, okay, he convinced me, he won me over, but I, I still am confused how sometimes he's so bold, he's so brash. We're going to go in, we're going to take a mm-hmm. sledgehammer, and then other times he backs off, and it's. Uh, so how he picks and chooses when to listen to the GOP establishment and when to go with his gut. Cause it seems to me every play he's done from his gut, that that's the first debate with Biden that has been, uh, those have been really good. Like I, I like Mike Pompeo as the secretary of state. I know that was a gut pick. No one really yeah. wanted Pompeo as the secretary of state, but he's been really good. Nikki Haley is the UN ambassador. Uh, people wanted her and, one of those do nothing departments, but she ended up being a fantastic UN. She was a very good UN ambassador. I would agree. Yeah. Probably one of the greatest uh, that we have had and and especially in modern times. And so I, uh, so I don't understand how 
he, how his thought process on when he goes with his gut and when he does it. And like I said, I he's know. overall, I think he's been a really good president, but uh, like not firing Dr. Fauci. I don't understand why that hasn't happened yet. I don't, uh, especially now we know that Dr. Fauci is talking to the Biden campaign or, uh, you know, he probably has, been, he probably was from the beginning. He has been for a and, long time. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I don't understand why Fauci doesn't have a pink slip yet. So, uh, but like I said, those are <sighs> blips on the radar overall. I think president Trump has done a good job, but that kind of, uh, I feel like he should listen to his own instinct more especially in regards to things like General Flynn, because that was something that really yeah. mattered. I mean, General Flynn was a war hero yeah. and I don't, and how he was just maligned even by other conservatives. And I don't, I, I hate to throw out names, but even like David French, who was just on, got on board the Flynn bag so freaking fast. And I'm like, mm. come on now. Uh, let's, uh, he was a war hero. Give him a chance, you know? Right. And, you know, and like I said, it, it would have set such a different tone for the entire presidency. It would have said, it yeah. would have set that tone. It's like, no, you can't, you, you can't bully me into just offing my pe into just offing my people on mm -hmm. so, uh, on some flimsy supposition. You you, you can't right. you can't get me to to betray people based on optics. It's not going to work here, and that would have just sent exactly the right message, and prob and they either would have accelerated their tactics faster and we would have seen what they are even quicker or they would have gone, well, okay. Um, I guess we'll have to find another method. You know, mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to bully this guy into again, getting rid of people or changing his policies and whatnot. It, and not to mention he would have seen that it worked because if there's one thing yeah. that, and you hinted at this, we haven't seen the authoritarian that everybody was afraid of. Right. <laughs> we just haven't. He hasn't been that at all. Yes, he's belligerent when he tweets, but other than that, he's really not, he's like the least authoritarian, authoritarian president when it comes to actual action that we've had in a long time at the very least. Um, I would agree with that, you know, because all these reporters complain about Trump's attitude toward the press. And I'm and it's like, hey, if the, if if Trump had anything more than an attitude, no CNN. Right. There would mm -hmm. there would be no CNN. It would become TNN the next day, yeah. which, you know, that's what happens if like you were saying, if he was really authoritarian, there would be no CNN. There would be no MSNBC. It would just right. be Fox. Uh, well, and only certain hosts of Fox. Uh, 24 hours a day. So Trump, yeah. President Trump is probably the furthest thing from a authoritarian, even if, by the way, I'm a, you know, going back even to President Obama and, and by the way, I'm not on the Bush bashing train, but even President Bush, sometimes he did things that I thought, oh, that's kind of outside the bounds of the executive office. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, tr President Trump seems to uh, res respect that in that regards as he understands his limitations. Now he's complained about his limitations, but again, what yep. president hasn't, he's just louder about it. <laughs> exactly. He just actually says it out loud. So we know what he's thinking. Right. It's, it's like, okay. Um, I don't want you to do what you're talking about at the moment. I'm glad you have that <laughs> limit, but it also seems like you're not, 
You're not actually bucking against the limit. You're just annoyed by it. Right. And I remember there was this thing about when when uh, President Xi of, of China, when he was made president for life mm-hmm. and President J- Trump made a joke about, uh, oh, doesn't that sound great? I, I think <laughs> at a rally and uh, everyone was in. Right. People are laughing right. And, right. and whatnot. And but, you know, the media just took that as, uh, you know, as, oh, he's saying he wishes he was president for life. Yeah. Well, FDR certainly wished he was president. Uh, yeah. for life uh, you know <laughs> literally the last person <laughs> the, the, the last person that was president for life the only president person that was president for life was uh well actually there technically you could say there were three two of them were democrats but the one were you know john f kennedy uh lincoln and fdr <laughs> right, exactly. but, but fdr is the one we actually <laughs> that actually matters here because he was elected the four terms, actually, just never four finished terms, the yeah, fourth. Betraying two vice presidents along the way, uh, his first VP, John Nance Garner. John Nance Garner was his opponent in his in the first primary that FDR ran in, mm-hmm. and he and he knew that he wouldn't get the votes on the on the last ballot, so he called Garner and said, "Hey, if you agree to be my VP, we win Texas, and I'll endorse you after my two terms to become the president." And uh, and of course, we all know how that happened. He betrayed Nance Garner. I think Nance Garner did try to uh, challenge him again in in the Democrat primary. Mm-hmm. But a sitting president at, in a party is really hard to unseat. I mean, that almost happened to H.W. Bush. Uh, I, someone tried to oust him off the ticket. It uh, didn't work, obviously. And so Nance Garner, he kind of retired into uh, into obscurity. But uh, Harry Truman, uh, when he became president, he actually became friends with with Garner because, you know, his predecessor was gone. He's like, hey, I need someone who's been in the office more than five minutes to help me out here. So, uh, you know, if Trump was anything like this, we would probably have a similar situation with with Pence at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, don't get me don't. Don't get me started on Pence. Uh, I know there's a lot of conservatives <laughs> like, yeah, we need somebody like like Pence to run in, in, in 2024. You know, somebody who's an experienced politician and just can, can like build. And I'm like, no, no, Pence was, <laughs> well, P- Pence was picked because he's viewed well by evangelicals, even though there's almost no reason to do that. I mean, he apparently lives a very respectable personal private life, which is great. Uh, but in terms of how he actually acts politically, he's a typical squish. He's a typical do-nothing GOP squish that just when push comes to shove, never pushes back. Well, I'm going to defend him a little bit because I actually did think he was a good governor. Uh, say what you want to about his time in Congress. I thought Pence did a good job as a governor. But I, I don't know if Pence has presidential aspirations after being president trump's vice president he's never given any indication of it he's he's never given an indication as far as that but that could just be um him and his personality of not wanting to uh because he he does genuinely seem to not want to attract spotlight to himself unnecessarily so i think that's that might be playing into it and then again maybe he just He's like, no, good. I, I, I'm good. <laughs> and all, and also, you know, one of the things I, I used to report on 
uh, the vice president speeches. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think in the future, whenever, you know, they come out with the, you know, the pen, the Trump pinch speech mm -hmm. binder and, you know, you know, you know how bookstores always do that. They'll release uh, right. the president, the vice president's face. I actually think we're going to gleam some wisdom from Vice President Pence because uh, I, I always found his speeches very interesting. He's a, a, a really strong conservative, you know, even even if, like you said, with Congress, you know, has some issues there. But I honestly think as far as uh, as his conservative bona fides, I think mm -hmm. we in the future, conservatives are going to reevaluate Pence and be like, oh, wow, we can actually pull some some ideas. And uh, and obviously the the faith uh, uh, faith freedom issue that for, mm. for some reason we're having to deal with in America and the pro life issue he's really mm. strong pro life so I think we're going to see uh, maybe in a decade not it's going to be a long time but in a decade Pence is going to be a more appreciated as a as a figure in conservative politics. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. And actually, okay, it's just, well, it, it just it, there's one particular thing in his time in, as governor it, that is exactly why I don't much like him. And it was a, there was the, the religious, what was it? The Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Was that it? Um, uh, I think so. It, initial, what initially passed, as I understand, it, was pretty good. But mm -hmm. it got a whole bunch of backlash and he backed off on it hardcore. And, that is true. Yes. And watered it right down. I was like, it's like, nope, okay. <laughs> Backbone, not present. I don't care anything, you know. And unless you have another chance to demonstrate backbone backbone and you show that you've grown a spine, I don't much care. <laughs> and well, don't forget though, he he brought the Trump ticket up with suburban women. Because Trump was yes. thrilling with suburban women, particularly in 2020. But when they saw Silver Fox, Mike Pence, uh, that, yeah. that that helped the ticket out a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean he he was <laughs> picked he was picked for specific reasons, and he and he delivered on those reasons, and that's great. Just when it comes to somebody who I'm going to trust to actually buck the establishment, buck the system actually tried to get something different done yeah he's not my guy not even close that's fair i, that's I, fair. I would, and like, I honestly I would like him I on my team think we're gonna see him yeah right uh, right for sure and i honestly don't think we're gonna see him in 2024 i think we're going to uh I, like you said i he hasn't given any indication that he has presidential ambitions and now is the time to do that that way you're on people's radar mm -hmm. now he might already have that because he is the vice president but uh i honestly think uh, we're i honestly think we're gonna hear more from haley especially around 2022 haley is gonna go kind of she's a private business woman right now but we're gonna hear more from her in 2022 i think she is the clear establishment pick when it comes to 2024 I, I think she will be the clear pick of the typical Washington GOP types. Um, I'm kind of eh, on her. Well, I, I really admire. Uh, what I, I vote really for her, yes, but would I prefer somebody else? Yes. Oh yeah, I'm. I, I, there's always someone else, and uh, and that that is that is, that's just a that's just a fact. I with Nikki Haley, I've actually I've met her, and mm -hmm. 
And I would like to, she's one of the only people in the Trump administration who I have personally met. And I found her incredibly likable. She's very, she never gave this air of I'm more important than you because I used to be the UN ambassador. She is, she is very, and I, she has that. Um, yes, I'm a sophisticated woman, but I, uh, but it's nice to meet you. Um, how's your wife and kids? So very, very, that sort of, uh, relatability is the word I'm looking for. Right. I believe that that will that will help her should she decide to to pursue a, a you know a greener pastures in the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think she'll definitely be a contender. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, bringing it back to uh, California and okay. life, you know li- life in the life in the time of Corona. Uh, yeah. Th- rather famously. Uh, Newsom and Garcetti both were talking about restricting the number of people you had in your homes and everything, particularly over Thanksgiving and everything got a little bit of attention for that one. Uh, did, did you hear one, anybody actually caring about that? And two, did you hear about anyone, um, anyone actually getting busted for ignoring it? Well, uh, no. Uh, well, yes. To the first question, yes. I did hear people uh, that there were certain people who did decide to limit it to, I believe it was eight. It was, the limit was eight. Uh, but it would, to me, it was what I was hearing was people who would only have less than eight gate, uh, less than eight guests to begin with. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I think that that was, uh, uh, my uh, my family, we did get together. We did. Uh, w- there was exactly eight of us, but if we had had the opportunity, there would have been more. It was just we had people kind of scattered. So right. uh, we had a, we had exactly eight people. And it, I, uh, I, you know, for your viewers, I actually had a leftist yell at me, mm-hmm. saying that I was going to my uh, to my family, and she out flat out. It was kind of funny because it started out. Uh, there's this new thing where people are trying to cut t- t- a COVID compliance to the pro-life movement. And I think just think that's despicable. Okay. And so this, this leftist was trying to do this. And so I responded, you know, you can't really s- say I'm not pro-life for not wanting, for having nine people at my Thanksgiving when you're for, you know, ter- ripping children out of the womb. And uh, yeah, we went back and forth for a while. I won't go through the whole conversation. And then it ended with her just flat out saying, you're going to kill your family. Well, I don't, I doubt, I doubt she's, she's watching. She's probably, you know, off watching Gronish or whatever, but, uh, the, uh, you know, all my family is fine. No one got COVID. No one had COVID testings. And to the people who did through all those reasons, we're, we're definitely praying for them, obviously, but uh-huh. I just, but I, I think I really feel like, the Thanksgiving is the perfect example of people. They're like, we're just fed up. We're just, we're just done with this. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because the rebellion as, as they say, kind of started in July 4th, remember Garcetti banned fireworks. And what happened at, at, uh, at 7 PM sunset, I fireworks all over LA County went off. I remember that video. video. It was beautiful. Yeah, it went viral. We were, I was, it was so funny because my wife and I, well, at least we won't have a day when our dog is running all over the house in a panic. Ah. Then we hear, boo, 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 and he starts. It's worse than ever. 
<laughs> and uh, and even from our we have our, our our where we live is very isolated it has tall buildings and trees around it but it was there were so many we could see them it was it was lighting up the sky it was a very it was beautiful quite frankly oh, yeah. but yeah going back to thanksgiving um as uh i i don't see uh, uh i i don't know of anyone that was arrested or ticketed for non-compliance I, I believe that the the county sheriffs have had it with Garcetti, uh, in particular. Good. He cut their funding, right? I think it was something by he cut their funding by four million dollars. So it was something ridiculous, or it's a proposal, something like that. And so they're yeah. like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna comply with this." You can yeah, just suddenly I don't have the money to enforce your stupid rules. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's kind of. There's this great video where some protesters were protesting at Garcetti's house, which you won't find on the media. The media doesn't want you to know there's anti-lockdown protests, but uh, and there's he has police surrounding his house. So the protesters, which obviously they shouldn't go on his private property, I'm against that. Yep. But they're they're across the street and they're they're chanting "No more lockdown" or something like that. Right. And it's so funny because the expression on the policeman's face. And police women, they they look like they don't want to be there. They're like, and not just because, but you can tell they're like, oh great, this guy cost us a, a big chunk of our budget, but we're over here protecting our house while he's calling us murderers uh, and racists, right? So it's yeah. it's it, the so funny the guy the cameraman because at first he's on the the people the protesters and then he swings it around and you get a look at their expressions and it's and it's just so just the perfect picture of the attitude, especially coming into Christmas. Yeah. Which I, that's the next thing I, have they, um, revealed any new, any new guidelines for Christmas? No, not new, but they were trying to say, uh, they did this injunction a couple of weeks ago. And of course we all saw the, the video of the pineapple saloon, uh, which uh, Alicia Krauss also covered. She, my uh, mm -hmm. my old colleague at the Daily Wire, Alicia Krauss, she did a fantastic interview with the owner of it. And this was that, that, this was that video that it. went viral on Twitter with the, here's my right, outdoor area, the, area. Here's the movies outdoor dining. That right. one, okay, right, and and uh, and Alicia Krauss interviewed her. It's on it's on her channel. I highly recommend people go watch that interview. It's very it's very real and raw. And uh, and the those same guidelines they were trying in effect through New Year's. And everyone's just like, no, like it was stuff like you couldn't walk your dog, and uh, just ridiculous. It was less it was they I think they lowered it from eight to six people no Christmas parties. Uh, it's, it's just gotten, it's gotten ridiculous. Oh, these guys are going to have their own Christmas parties and they're going to have a whole bunch of people over, but just like with Gavin Newsom and uh, the mayor of Austin, his name is, escapes me, but he was telling, you know, Austonians stay home. And then he was in Mexico vacationing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to say I, to me, and, one good thing about this particular one is a judge has already said, um, a judge has already said, uh, you can't do this. Uh, you can you can say that they're guidelines, but you can't really make them a rule. You can't, uh, and so, uh, and also the sheriff of LA flat out said we're not enforcing this. Long Beach said we're not enforcing this. Beverly Beverly Hills is so frustrated. They're actually trying to to uh, 
emancipate themselves from LA County. They want to start a Beverly Hills County. So just no to, just to put it in perspective, yeah, wow, it's it's getting real. It's uh, people are are just so sick of it and uh, and whatnot. Because you know Beverly Hills is in LA County, and Eric Garc even though Beverly Hills has its own mayor, Eric Garcilli is still kind of a Garcilli the the de facto leader of all of LA County just because okay. Los Angeles is the biggest city. Gotcha. So people are uh, people are kind of uh, strings in the sheriff's office. But one thing that's really great is the sheriff's office came out and said we're not going to enforce this. Do whatever you want. We don't care. And right. uh, you know as long Good. as there's not yeah yeah they're, they're saying as long as the crime is not committed we're not going to come out. So uh, I think that's really good for them. They're they're mm -hmm. taking and again, I really think they would have been more willing to ticket people had had Eric Garcetti not called his own his own police and county sheriff uh, murderers and racists, like I said earlier. But now the sheriff is just like, no, we're not doing it. Orange County too. Orange County's like, yeah, we're not doing this. So but you know that just kind of shows how bad sometimes politicians are at being politicians. It's like if you yeah. want. If you want the cops to enforce stupid things, at the very least, you shouldn't call them racist murderers and take away their money. <laughs> yeah, even That's, if you this want to say, right, and, and this was one thing we saw with kind of the first wave of these protests, these anti-police protests, is the mayors were being more diplomatic. So they were like, okay, we're going to work on reforms, and we're going to mm -hmm. try to fire bad cops. And, and, you know, you had one or two over, you know, kind of doing the bash the head thing. Uh, but most of them were kind of like, we're going to be a little bit more diplomatic, but with this, with this last wave, they were like just going all in for your bunch. The cops are basically the KKK, uh, which is kind of ironic because, you know, the Democrat party was the party of the KKK. Uh, yeah. So I think it's kind of funny we, that they went that route. And, uh, and I, there's actually talk that some police departments aren't going to provide security for, for different, political figures who called for their defunding. I don't know uh, specifics, but there were are, there are certain police unions who are saying, we're not going to do it. We're, we're not going to force our guy. Um, we're not going to force our guys to, to defend someone who obviously hates them. Right. Yeah. Which these guys can afford private security. Right. So right. Uh, but that's just what they need though. Right. Cause we saw that happen. Was that, was that in, I can't remember. It was that in Wisconsin or, or or Illinois where they uh, they hired private security because the police wouldn't protect the person, and the private security guy shot someone. And well, now now you're kind of in this catch twenty. I think that was actually a press outlet. I don't I think, think that, that was, was Denver. A, that was Denver. That was Denver. Thank you, thank you. Yep. But yeah, that was kind of a you know. We're, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of these. Um, you know, it's well, real, that was especially a with the celebrities. That was that, that, that was not a good shoot either. No, that was not a good shoot. I yeah, saw the video I, and I, I was like, I was like, really, dude? It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, I can, om I can almost understand if you're a hair trigger individual pull like drawing and saying back off, mm -hmm. but there wasn't that there was no back off. There was draw, shoot, right. bang. Yeah, and uh, and to be fair, there are certain cities that have police brutality problems. Yes, but we should address those problems. We shouldn't paint all cops with this wide single brush, and that's yeah. the problem. 
Yep. It, yeah. Exactly. Happening in California a lot, obviously. You know, we have we do in some jurisdictions have police brutality problems, but mm -hmm. it's not uh, all of the cops in California are engaging in this nefarious activity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although it's portrayed like every single person in a uniform is a horrible individual and is just waiting to kill the first brown, brown person that they see. Right. And, and also too, uh, cops don't like dirty cops unless they're already on the tape because they know right. it damages their reputation. Yep. So, uh, that's, that's part of the, I, you know, and sometimes, and of course there's always that, you know, that, you know, mysterious, you know, code of blue people talk about that's in the movies, really, really cops. Um, they want to back up a person that they think is okay. And, uh, you know, if they had, if there was an incident that was mixed jumbled up or, you know, it was just a misunderstanding and something bad happened. But then, sure, when it comes to poli absolute police corruption, no one hates that more than an honest cop. Right, right. Which is just as it should be. Now, right. I kind of, um, you mentioning, talking about how all these sheriffs and everything, even in LA, LA County, are really not cool with this. Beverly Hills right. is trying to break away from LA County. Okay. I wonder how that's going to work. I but that, I'm curious to see how that comes together. <laughs> now, what interests me here is, and I know there were some significant Trump rallies in Beverly Hills and even in LA. So my question to you, sir, is what do you think of the vote, even in California? Because <laughs> it well, let's just face it, we've never seen anything like that before, at least not mm -hmm. since literally Reagan. Right. Uh, I am of the opinion that Trump did win re-election and that that, that machinations uh, intercepted it. However, I do not agree with other Republicans who say Trump won California. Um, now, I will say there was not enthusiasm for, for Joe right. Biden or for Kamala Harris. There was uh, – people don't understand in California – Kamala Harris was liked by the establishment. She was not liked by just everyday people. She threatened to throw mothers in jail if they she if they didn't personally drive their kids to school. It was I mean that it was how she was as the AG. But she's a very savvy politician and California has this ridiculous primary process where the the person who's picked by the Democrat party is basically the next person. I, I don't know how that's constitutional but they have that locked down. And mm -hmm. I, uh, and so that's how she got elected, but uh, there was no enthusiasm for them. And I do think president Trump did perform better than right. other GOP candidates since Reagan, but I don't think he took California just, especially if you, you know, if you want to compare, like people were saying, Oh, in Georgia, there were so many Trump signs. So how could, and I agree with this assessment, how could Biden have won? Well, here there was a lot of, Biden Harris, you know, way less mm -hmm. than probably other jurisdictions. If you look at on the East Coast, but uh, but I but to me it seemed like yes, the California Republicans were a little bit more jazzed this time around. Mm -hmm. I don't think that uh, it was enough to flip the state. I think that was that is kind of an unrealistic expectation, at I, least for now. But I think that's it was fair better assessment. than people thought it was. I think honestly, that's a fair assessment. the The idea that Trump managed to win California of all places. Uh, I, I like the idea, yeah. but 
I don't honestly think so. <laughs> Although, yeah, and I, I think it was think, a lot closer than, shall we say, the official had, numbers suggest. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, if, if, uh, if LA, San Diego, San Francisco and Sacramento hadn't voted, yes, Trump would have won handily. Right. But yeah. but he but the 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 DNC just has a stronghold on all of those cities. I I know I personally know a candidate who is running uh, uh, to be uh, the representative uh, uh, in the last midterm uh, mm-hmm. for San Diego, and they were pretty confident that they were going to win because San Diego used to be a red district because of the board. But uh, the Democrats have have completely flipped over. Sandy. It was. I want I'll say it's purple. I wasn't really. I wasn't like red, like what what we think red. But it was being more conservative. But the last midterm, uh, twenty eighteen, the Dems just overhauled it and took it back over. Uh, I'll be honest. It was always kind I, of a wild card. Even shortly after that election, I had serious questions about the twenty eighteen midterms because it was the same sort of thing where mm-hmm. it's like. Every close race, every race that was kind of close, some after over the course of a couple of weeks, they kept finding votes, and almost yeah. every one of those close races, they they suddenly they managed to find enough votes for the Democrat to win. It's it was I'm like really really Republicans, you're just you're not even ask you're not even asking about it. I mean there were there were a few of the yeah. shows that brought it up once or twice, but. Then after that, like off it goes, off it down the memory hole. It's like, come <laughs> on, guys, really? And you know, so I'm not surprised by the situation right now. I feel that way about uh, Kim Kimberly uh, Classic uh, in Baltimore. Kimberly, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. I am totally convinced she won that race because uh, it was the same really? situation. She was ahead, and then all oh, of a sudden. Yeah, it was, and it's close how how much she lost. I think she is trying to challenge the results. I, I'm not. I have. I have to admit, I'm not too up to date. But she did say she was going to challenge the results. I don't know if she officially did or or not. But I am totally convinced she did win. And there was, as uh, Viva LaFry says, there was chicanery uh, in that race because especially she was leading the polls um, for a while and. Uh, just real briefly, she had she had over. It was in the margin of error, but it was worth. It was enough, and I really feel that. Uh, I really feel that uh, there was chicanery there, and that's another one. I don't think it's going to come to anything. Sadly, mm, probably. But not. I hope we'll see her in the governor's race or the senate race. Um, that because uh, I really think that. Uh, I really think that she is well liked, and uh, uh, and I think that she's not going to go away. She's she's very bold. Um, she was ready to, and she's ready to rumble, which is what we need in our in our GOP. Like you were saying about spineless yeah. squishes, she is not a spineless squish. No, no, <laughs> she is not. Not even a little bit. And yeah. I I love that about her. I really do. Yeah. And I and there does seem to be. And they're few and far between. Fewer and far, much fewer and farther between than a lot of people are aware, and certainly than a lot of people would like. But there are people. There are more people like her, young up and comers who are willing to 
are, are they're willing to take the shot in the teeth and give it right back. And yeah. oh my gosh, we need so much more of that right now. I'm mean, just and, all around. And yeah, and you're right. And this was something that I had a problem with conservatives is there was this thing in conservatism where we have like a great deal of respect. So like mm -hmm. you and I are both men of faith and yeah. uh, that, and, and so we obviously have a big respect of religion as we should. Right. Mm -hmm. But conservatives think that that respect should extend to other estates. Yeah. Have like a little, we're going to have like, uh, we're going to have a, a respect of the mainstream media uh, because it's the mainstream media, or we're going to have a, a respect of how this certain election went down. Cause we're going to, we're going to have mm -hmm. like the, uh, we, we just can't foresee someone doing that. But I, I, and one thing, and that was something I always, always complained about was we need to see that respect dialed back. And I'm not saying disrespect a person. So if you run them in the street, th right. don't throw a tomato at them. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about the estate specifically where, uh, and that was one thing that even when I was a never Trumper, I admired Trump's willingness to say, Hey, the mainstream media is giving you fake news. And Gingrich right. actually tried this when his, when he ran, mm -hmm. but again, that, that sort of, we're going to have respect for the institution. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that we need to dial that way back. I would if the, if change your. Like I, I would change products. the term. I would change the term respect for deference. Oh, there you go. That's way better word. Deference is a way better that's, word. Because that's exactly what we do. We always we always just defer to them. It's like whatever you mm -hmm. say, mainstream media. What I mean, even even conservative media, while it bashes most mainstream media, spends all of its time reacting to them. Right, and which I now, which can be funny, but in terms of actually accomplishing anything, it's completely and utterly non-productive. Right, it, I totally it agree. And it doesn't accomplish that anything now. other than ha ha ha. Yeah, they're dumb. Ha ha ha. I, I don't care. Like <laughs> right. this whole, like this whole thing about about whether Jill Biden should be Doctor Jill Biden. I do not care. This is not the <laughs> issue that I am concerned with. Right, like it's like you know, somewhere of all the things that are going on in the country right now, that is, this is the one we're going to elevate to the top of the talking point list. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Well, and also like that's the good point. Like even with this thing where Dana Perino asked Karl Rove if Dominion could could sue. Uh, could could sue Trump for defamation, and all she did was ask the question. And she and people were saying, "Well, she was asking the question. She was sending a message to Dominion." And I'm like, "Dominion has already thought about this. You really uh, all Dana did was was uh, ask the question, and I think it was really well, wrong." What was the question she asked? React. Uh, she asked. Uh, she had Carl Rove on, and she asked him. Should yeah. uh, should Trump sue uh, or should, I'm sorry, should Dominion sue Trump for libel and defamation? And I guarantee you, Dominion has already thought of, about this. They didn't get yeah, this idea from the message at all. I, I right. think it's a, so they, they weren't I, watching some question. Watch, but. Right, if you sure, but I I don't think that she did anything wrong asking the question. Let her, but that for forty conservative media was so mad at her and I'm like, okay, listen, we've got 
we've got Joe Biden being called the presumptive nominee and the electors haven't even voted yet. That's what we need to be concerned about, not a question that Dana Perino asked Carl Rove. No, Carl and Rove I would is agree. Significance. Well, yeah, and, and and I would agree. I don't. I think it's a stupid question of her to ask, but I think it's also stupid to get riled up about it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who cares? And, you know, and at at some point, who cares what line of questioning Chris Wallace is on? Who cares if he's like, oh, well, he's president-elect, sir. It's like, <laughs> all right, you know what? Have five seconds, have a laugh about it, move the heck on. Um, you don't need to do half a freaking show on it. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Now conservatives need to be preparing for this list of nominees that Biden is putting together. And it, it, and I and I know uh, I may get some disagreement on that, but Biden has acted the most presidential so far by just not doing anything. Right. He's not doing a whole lot of interviews. He did that one with Jake Tapper well, and Kamala Harris. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying I'm just saying that he. Uh, uh, he is trying to stay above the fray because he knows 70 million uh, voters didn't go with him and he's picking his cabinet. I actually think that's great because even if he, even if he, it comes out that Trump is the winner and Trump gets sworn mm -hmm. in and all this, uh, we know who Joe Biden was. We know who we need to look out for in the midterms and in 2024. So let Biden do what he wants. This is a perfect way for us to prepare to strategize. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest, I seriously have my doubts uh, given the chicanery that has uh, gone on and that I seriously doubt right now. And unless some of the thing, things I've heard through the grapevine pan out and pan out very soon. Um, yeah, there's, I, I have serious, serious doubts that we're going to be able to win things back to be, to be honest. I, I don't believe that we will be allowed to that said one must still plan and strategize as though, uh, one can't cause you can't right. just, you can't, you can't just throw up your hands and say, oh, well, not, we can't do anything anymore. Uh, you just can't do that. Um, yeah, and and I would like to to give credit to especially uh, Jenna Ellis, who I actually, I mm -hmm. know her personally. She has been on the front lines of this. Yeah, I think yes. the 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 Hill had, did like a ridiculous smear of her. Shame on them! You know, you wouldn't see them. You wouldn't see them try to you know try to smear Biden's people like like they did Jenna Ellis. And no. uh, you know, I would I and if it does if it all is for naught, which it's looking more and more like that's a possibility or not a possibility. It's looking more like, more like it might be the reality. I, uh, I really think that we have kind of an advantage here because of the hard work that Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani did. We get a, how he is going to be as the president and conservatives need to, you know, keep tracking, keep fighting the good fight, but we also need to prepare because mm -hmm. uh, if we're going to be caught and, like, like, uh, what is it? Uh, someone once said the GOP, uh, the best thing that GOP it, is good at is letting the best thing get away. And so we can't do that right now. We have to be, we have to be prepared. I think I'm paraphrasing that. It was something Robert Barnes said, uh, but we need to, uh, we need to get ready because 
especially if Georgia goes to the Dems. Now Biden has a House and he has a Senate and he's got oh, Breyer gosh. who is waiting to retire. <laughs> if he's got if he's got all of that unless we can actually make make sure that somehow or another make sure that Collins Murkowski and Romney stay reined in and we get one or two we get like Joe Manchin and maybe one other guy to defect from the Democrats. Um, yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> we're totally yeah. screwed. Because, yeah. I mean, unless yeah. Yeah, those people will probably not back, will probably not back a move to make D.C. a state. Probably not. But if they... Yeah, and we're if also they, that Merrick Garland... Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He he's next. He has been biding his time. It, no pun intended. He's been. Uh, a lot of people think that his uh, some of his things have been not like under scrutiny in the sense that he could get in trouble for them. But a few people has noticed in some of the opinions he's been writing that he's still a little salty about passed over for Gorsuch, uh, you know, and the transition from Obama to Trump. Right. And now we're going to see. Uh, I have no doubt if Breyer retires, which that's a big possibility. Mm-hmm. If Breyer retires, we're going to have Justice uh, Merrick Garland, and he's not going to show the restraint that like a Kavanaugh or a Gorsuch or an Alito will show. No, no, not even close. They don't care. <laughs> they no. really don't and, care. Well, and I, just Justice Sotomayor, mm-hmm. I actually, and even Kagan, is they have really done a good job of adopting, even though I don't agree with their opinions or their politics, I really feel that uh, one of my concerns about uh, Kagan was that she would try to to redo the American perception of the Supreme Court, that they're above the political fray. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have that concern with Sotomayor. I just didn't like her politics. But, uh, but to their credit, they have been, they have at least carried themselves as Supreme Court judges. You know, it's not like, you know, I was worried that, uh, that they wouldn't be, that they would be like these massive wild cards who would try to, who would try to politicize and turn the Supreme Court, what the house has become, but they really haven't. The Supreme Court is, even if you don't like their, their, this way, can you predict, can you predict how they're going to rule nine times out of 10? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, then it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then exactly. the then the way they then the way they write their decisions doesn't matter. Oh right, no, no, I totally agree with that. I'm just I, I'm just saying that they did not change. Uh, the, you know, the house has become just basically this this frat house, right? The house of I was worried that Scotus would become mm. that with uh, not really with Sotomayor, but more so with Kagan because she was like kind of this intellectual a- academia. Uh, person, uh, but uh, but to her credit, she's she's uh, really stepped up in in that role as a judge, even though I disagree with her. But Merrick Garland, he's got some uh, he's got some anger. Going to work out on that court, <laughs> so oh, he can, we need to be prepared. <laughs> he, he he can he can cry harder, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I totally now, agree. Be, now before we go, um, I believe you are now working for live action. I am, yes. Which is fantastic. Uh, so I love what, them. Yeah. What, what is what is it like working for the uh, the house that Lila Rose built? 
It is absolutely amazing. It, it, one thing going from working from a news organization to uh, to an advocacy group mm-hmm. is news organization. The president sneezes. It's breaking news, right? Uh, especially in this climate. Right, but with right. with live action, we have a very specific uh, targeting. We want to save babies. We want to save the elderly from euthanasia, mm-hmm. and that uh, and that really creates more room to be passionate about that. And because you know, I, I'm not really into economics. I prefer conservative economics, but I don't mm-hmm. like chatter about economics. Right? There's people. Right who are smarter than me, who can do that better. But when it comes to rescuing uh, babies who are in the womb, who can't, uh, who can't have a voice for themselves, who you can't hear their cries or their screams, you, uh, it is uh, very moving. It is very, uh, it is very exciting. And I'm, Mm -hmm. and I'm very excited to be a part. Lila is amazing to work with. Uh, she's fantastic. She, uh, and she is very genuine about this cause. It's not like, Oh, she just runs this organization. No, she is at the front lines, uh, defending, uh, defending babies and defending, uh, preborn children. It's, uh, and that is really admire about her is she is not afraid, uh, to, to take on, uh, the abortion industry. As as everyone knows, doing it for years now. She's been doing oh, yeah. this since she oh, was yeah. basically a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. And uh, it, all you have to do is just uh, go look, check out our YouTube channel live action. If you're, uh, if, if you have any, uh, if you'd like to see some of the great work we're doing. And one of the cool things about being at live action is we're one of the largest, probably the largest pro-life group and seeing the fruits of your labor. So like when we get, a message from someone saying, Hey, I was, I was being pressured to have an abortion because I'm a single mom, but I decided not to, because I watched your video and I saw what my child looks like at this stage. I'm not going to get an abortion. You just, you, uh, it's really, uh, it's really a comforting thing Mm -hmm. to know that, Hey, that's a life saved and that we're, that we're moving forward. And, and one that one group really, interesting thing that has kind of shifted in the pro-life movement is ginger i'm sure you even remember this Mm. is for a while pro-life was all about faith so if you were if you were jewish and if you were christian and Mm. or uh i'm just using those two as an example that was uh it was that was a pro-life issue people saw it as a political and a religious issue Mm -hmm. but now with science we can we can detect more things about pre-born children way earlier so there are even some studies that theorize that uh, fetuses have detectable brain waves as early as four weeks. Well, that totally changes the situation. Oh, now again, yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting earlier and earlier. And now I think official is, it's actually, uh, I want to say between six and 10 weeks, but there are people who are theorizing, Hey, we'll be able to detect a brain sooner to detect that they wow. have, and that's going to change everything if that if that mm-hmm. goes forward. But uh, but you know you you can. I, one of the things is we've actually discovered that that uh, preborn children feel pain way earlier. Right. Because before they were saying third trimester, third no. Now that we actually know uh, that preborn children feel pain as early as the first trimester. So it's very uh, science is actually on the side of pro life now. And that has right. really given 
the pro-life movement uh, wind in their sails even more than we already had. Yeah, because everybody's like, hey, it's just, uh, you know, the, it, it's a blob of cells argument. It's not human. It's it's, it's not really human well, yet. The pro-choice movement is backing off yeah. that now. They're, just, yep. you're, they're using that verbiage less and less because they look really foolish when they see uh, a four-week picture of a fetus and it looks like a child, right? right. So now yeah. it doesn't look like a clump of cells. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're either making the, well, it's human, but it's not a person trying to do a Try, trying to do a very sophistic ar argument or uh, I've seen a, an increasing amount of, uh, yeah. So what? Yeah. And, and my rights are more important than two, that thing's rights is right. You know. And you're also seeing that with the shift in the science that now abortion is popping up more in, in cold. Max had the, had the pro abortion movie. We just saw a British soap mm. opera is doing a whole arc about a couple that is getting an abortion because oh, wow. their baby has down syndrome. I think it's called Emmerdale. And, uh, and there, and you know, we saw that, that horrendous article in the Atlantic mm. that was just basically pro eugenics. That's an mm -hmm. American magazine. That's right. not something that came out of, out of a communist country or even a left far left leaning uh, European country that came yep. out of, the United States, and that's horrendous. And it's and honestly, the Atlantic is one that, like six, seven years ago, I was arguing was a decent center-left magazine. You know, like it's yeah. Is, is it left? Yes. Is it batshit crazy? No. Is would have been my <laughs> argument. Not so much now. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm and I'm truly and I've always been pro-life. Ever even uh, a lot of people don't know this about me, but when I was in college, I actually was a Democrat. I now I don't want to mislead anyone. I was pro-gun, but <laughs> I was pro-life as well. Uh -huh. So I was Texas Democrat. So uh -huh. uh, I but even as a Democrat, I was pro-life because I just couldn't. Uh, and at the time. When Christ, when when God is saying, and I believe it's the book of Jeremiah, that I knew you when I formed you in your mother's mm -hmm. womb, I can't say that's. I have to say that God implanted a soul in in that being in the yep. womb, and also mm -hmm. if you like New Testament, what does it say when when Elizabeth saw the Virgin Mary? Right. It says her baby left in her womb. Yep. Yep. It's clearly a uh, that's clearly a sign of life. So now, obviously, we don't uh, people try to, to to twist that. But even when I was, uh, uh, I guess you would call me a centrist or a moderate. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't perceive that that the unborn uh, slash preborn right. child is not a person. It's clearly a person. Oh, he or she yeah. is clearly a person. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the don't try to tell me that any of this nonsense is like, well, it's not a person until uh, this stage of development is reached. And, you know, it's arbitrary and you know it. In fact, uh, <laughs> I, I've mentioned this before. Um, so anyone who's listening and has heard, heard me say this before, my apologies. Um, this was recognized right away by some. In fact, the very well-known sci-fi author, uh, Philip K. Dick, um, in 1974, early 1974, an immediate response to the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, wrote a very a little-known short story called The Pre-Persons. And it was a dystopian future type of thing, as he was well-known for writing. Uh, and in this dystopian future, it was legal 
the, the, the dividing line from when you became a person was when you could do algebra. And, it, it, and, and that's a standard that it makes clear in the story that had shifted, like <laughs> not, not so, not so far in the, in the past. It, it was like, it was later, it was sooner, it was like whatever. Um, anyway, and they decided the age when you could do algebra was 12. So you could literally abort your kid up to the age of 12 in this story. Now, one, he wrote it to obviously show how arbitrary it was. And there was even a character who was, uh, I think it was his kid or something. He got caught without his desirability papers. And uh, and he didn't have them with, with him either. So he's like, well, you've got to take me. It, and they, they literally sent, they literally had like dog catchers, essentially, uh, driving around looking for kids without their desirability papers to take them to be processed. Uh, and the guy was like, well, you got to take me too. Why? Uh, you're, you're old enough. Well, I, I, I forgot how to do algebra. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it, it was like, it was, it was such an awesome and brilliant story. And I discovered it years ago like many, many years ago. And it, it took me a long time to find a copy actually. It took me a very long time because oddly what was the enough, title again? the pre-persons, uh, you can, you, you can find somebody, uh, somebody has scanned it in and you can find it online now. Um, if you, if you'll dig just a little bit. Um, but when I was looking for just a copy of it in a book, I could not find it. It was not in a single collection of philip uh, of philip k dick stories yeah imagine that i actually had to what? go and get an original copy of the sci-fi magazine that it was printed in wow yeah Here, you know that's kind of that's kind of interesting because me being a evangelical pastor's kid i read a lot of frank peretti and mm -hmm. i will debate with people about frank peretti's status as an author i think he's a fantastic author and I know that evangelicals tend to write kind of cheesy fiction. I will, I will admit that, but I will stand by Frank Peretti. I think mm -hmm. he's brilliant. But even among Christian circles, he wrote a very pro-life book. He, now, mm -hmm. Frank Peretti has a, was originally a pastor before he became an author, mm -hmm. but he wrote this really fantastic book called Tilly. It's actually a novella, and okay. uh, it was he originally wrote it to be a play, but it's about a woman who I want to say that – she is a nurse who assisted in abortions. And I think she, and she has a near death experience where she sees the children that she assisted uh, in, in killing. Mm -hmm. And even in Christian circles, the book was really hard to find. It's his first ever printed book. Nope. And uh, like I said, he originally wrote it to be a play, but he couldn't get it. Uh, published even locally or performed locally. So he just made it a novella mm -hmm. and got it released. I think they did re-release the company that he signed with uh, a couple of years ago, did re-release it as like a, for a 10th anniversary edition, basically, but it's really hard. It's really, and I actually had to do some digging on Amazon and paid way more than it was worth to get my hands on it. Uh -huh. But I'm so glad I did. It's a, it, but like if you, the Christian fiction, you'll see this present darkness, probably his most famous novel. Mm -hmm. You'll see yeah. the visitation, which mm -hmm. I actually love. 
last one he wrote before he retired, but you cannot find Tilly. It's really hard to find. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, in, in, in he's a Christian author writing in Christian circles. You'd expect that to be not difficult to find. In fact, honestly, you'd expect it to be fairly front and center. Right. I mean, Philip yeah, Dick, exactly. I get, you know, when it comes to, to Philip Dick, I understand why they're, why they're suppressing that story from him just because he's a well-known sci-fi author, kind of important to the whole genre. Half, half of his books have been made into movies, <laughs> you know? Um, right. Right. So if, they, if people don't know who, who he is, um, if you've seen Blade Runner, Total Recall, Paycheck, Minority Report, um, there's recently a low-budget radio-free album of, um, and various others that uh, there, there's more. There's more. There's more that have that uh, there's more movies that have been based on his work, I believe. Um, yeah, you've you've heard of Philip K. Dick, even if you don't realize you've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you have been exposed to his work. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, I think actually after the Blade Runner movie came out, he mm. actually is originally called Do Do Androids Dream of Electric Sleep, and I actually think he rewrote that short story into a novel and mm. and made it where a prequel to the movie. So oh, because he wanted to, he wanted it to be a that's yeah, right. he wanted it to be associated in a later edition. So. Oh. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to have to see if actually um, that's reflected in the copy I've got. I, I haven't. It's, it's on my shelf. I haven't read it yet. I'll get around to it someday. Uh, maybe I'll move. Maybe I'll I, move I read it, it when Blade Runner. I read it again when Blade Runner 2049 came out, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just to keep up appearances. I, that, But uh, but yeah, yeah, he is a brilliant sci-fi writer for oh, sure. Me being yeah. a big sci-fi myth uh, lover, so you know, um, you know, maybe I'll have to have you on on sometime, and we can just talk about him and his work because it his work is fascinating, uh, and the themes and everything that he delves into. I mean, it's a whole different. He comes from a whole different kind of sci-fi writer than what yeah. is in the what seems to be in the mainstream today, uh, and I, I I love it. His his books are actually interesting and thought provoking. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was one thing that you got to admire about his, mm. that wave of sci-fi writers was mm. they didn't care to explain the science to you. Right. So right. now, now there's like this, these new fans who they have to know that it's, it's all, completely, totally, it's all accurately science. Right. Yeah. But it's, everyone wants to forget about the fiction in science fiction. This is kind of uh, the, the, the stuff I throw out when I run into a star Wars prequel hater, I'm like, Oh, George Lucas made science fiction more fictiony. And you know, it's kind of, you know, I always, I always throw that in there as a joke, but it's uh, but yeah, there, I always, those, those writers of the past who did try to incorporate realism and when they couldn't fit in realism, they had to put more fictional elements, but I respect that of them that they use their imagination to fill in, to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And I really, I really, that kind of era of science fiction writing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I think uh, before we wander too far afield, uh, I think that's probably a good place to leave it off, and we'll pick. <laughs> we'll have to pick this up another time, actually, because that would be a fun topic to go more in a uh, go more in depth in on. Uh, but here we are already uh, approaching an hour twenty. 
<laughs> so I would say thank you again, uh, Jake, for coming on because it's always fun. It's always an interesting discussion. This is the first time we actually had a discussion that wasn't centered around pop, pop culture in some way, shape, or form. So uh, for us, this is a refreshing change of pace other than doing the typical refreshing change of pace, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, Margo's falling asleep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sci-fi stuff. <laughs> Sometimes you got to take a break from all the uh, from all the apocalyptic end of the world stuff going on because otherwise you lose your frigging mind. Um, but anyway, yeah. What, what is Andrew Clavin always says? Laugh your way through the arm through the Armageddon. <laughs> yes, yes. That's uh, something I do love about the Clavin. Always, always laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. <laughs> but anyway thanks again for coming on and thank you everyone for being out there in the chat room and we will be back next week with another episode of fighting the void and um actually tomorrow for anyone who's interested apparently not margo because she doesn't do sci-fi uh i'll be uh i'll be actually on pastor g's show talking about the one of my favorite old sci-fi movies the last starfighter since they're uh, talking about a sequel for that pretty soon. So I'll be on that tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So go check that out. Incidentally, he's part of the new Fighting the Void Network. So there you go. Promotion thing all wrapped up. And we will see you next week, maybe. I don't know. It's Christmas weekend. I'll have to decide if I'm even going to do a show. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I'm going to say probably not because most people are going to be busy. So you know what? I will see everybody in two weeks. And until